This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined in studio once again with Jim Sebastio. Jim, good to see you again. Thanks, Brian. Good to be here. We are continuing our conversation uh, today with Denny Dillman uh, on the idea of benevolence, caring for the poor, caring for the needy uh, in the church, outside the church, and how pastors can think through that. So um, before we do that, let me just remind you that if you haven't yet to go to iTunes and write a review for us, uh, that helps spread the word of the podcast for us. And, and if we can serve you in any way, please go to practicalshepherding.com and write us. And we, uh, we would be glad to help in any way that, that we can. Uh, but we want to continue this conversation where we left off last time. So, Jim, would you kind of jump in and give just a couple minutes of summary from the last and let us plug away with Denny at this point? Yeah, Brian, in our last talk, we, we kind of tried to laid out a biblical foundation or sought to in regard to the church and benevolence and the recognition that as a pastor— you're going to need to try to help steward the resources of the church and helping your deacons think through if the deacons are the ones who primarily help. But how do we prioritize? When do you give? When do you not give? Uh, how do you have that hard discussion? How do you get to know people in their situation? How do you evaluate uh, the situation so that we're able to do what the Bible calls us to do? And that is reflect the heart of God. God has a, a heart for people in their physical condition, their physical distress, as well as meeting the spiritual needs of the church. Uh, you, you need to meet uh, physical needs at times, and it's good and right for the body to be involved and uh, as individuals, but other times it, as a budgetary matter. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so uh, Denny has been involved in benevolence ministry for uh, over a decade, and and then also now he pastors a church in a rural community. So, Denny, you get these calls uh, at both in both places. So let's maybe talk about here you are. You're, you're at Henryville Community Church in Indiana, and you get a phone call from somebody. And how often is that, and what's a typical question? Can you pay my rent? Can you pay my gas and electric bill? Uh, I mean, obviously, if somebody said, can you pay my cable bill, can you— can you pay for my cell phone? I need it for work. And Well, the, dif- the difficulty, and it's what we had talked about in the last podcast, that um, the relationship. If relationship is a primary element, it's very difficult when you, a call comes in and somebody's presenting to you or if somebody walks in, I don't know about anybody else, but that walk-in is usually about five minutes before service starts. Right. And then yeah. the, the invitation, hey, just right. sit through the service, and we're happy to meet with you afterwards, and, and then they don't want to do that. So, right. so you know, the pressures of that. What I encourage, and, and we, we uh, in our last conversation, the, the, the discussion of a new pastor or somebody, a church that's looking at how do we establish ourselves, as uh, this part of our ministry, uh, with some clarity and have some understanding. The first thing I recommend to churches, uh, we, we don't have time to get into the deep realms of biblical understandings of benevolence and God's call for us to be generous and be good stewards. So I encourage churches, uh, pastors, elders, leaders to come together and come to those understandings. Do the study yourself. Mm. There are great resources that can help with that. Uh, Maybe name uh, a couple real quickly. Uh, uh, when Helping Hurts by Brian Fickert and, and uh, Steve Corbett. 
is probably a primary resource. Toxic Charity by Bob Lupton is another one. These are really good books that can help to inform uh, because what happens is that we're informed uh, many times in this realm by emotion and by culture, and, and we're not, and, and it takes us away from that ability to think clearly when we're considering these things biblically. So the encouragement is that, uh, that, that the church leaders do that study, take that time and do that. And then recognize, start recognizing some things that maybe historically has happened in the church where, where the benevolence that has been expressed, I call it wing it benevolence, you just kind of make it up as you go, is actually destructive. You're actually hurting people and not helping them. And, and they're, in those books, they give great examples of that, of what, how that works. Um, and then the, the, I always recommend set relationship and the proclamation of the gospel as the high mark. So then everything is informed from that, deciding how do we do this practically uh, from that. Uh, and then develop the principles. Have Set the foundation first, then develop the principles. And some of that is based on your local, where you are, your your location. Uh, you may be in a rural setting, you may be in an urban setting, you may be in a suburban setting. You can have a, a lot of different things that are coming to you. So establishing what are those principles that inform us on what to do. Uh, keep those simple. You don't want a long tome that uh, uh, that to have to everybody has to read through. Then teach those principles to the congregation. Make mm-hmm. sure the people know. Um, biblical benevolence is expressed from the through the body of Christ. It's not uh, while the deacons do have a responsibility or, or some committee or however you're set up with that. That's fine, but don't let it be a handoff where a member comes upon a situation where there's need and they say, "Oh, you need to call my church. I'm mm-hmm. sure they'll help you." Right. No, that God put that in front of the member. They need to engage and be involved. Do you think some members might have the mentality, and I might understand this? You say, "Well, I tithe," like to the same sense as like a secular person would say, "I old Scrooge. I give taxes. You know, I pay taxes. That pays for institutions that take care of this." So I shouldn't have to give any more than that. Uh, so what you're you're encouraging some of that is that we need to awaken our own sense, our own individual sense. So not just pastorally, but we do want to focus if we can, didn't maybe on this because we are talking to pastors and talking about those who lead in churches. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that very much. Saying inform, teach through. If you've never talked through that, because I, I think the tendency is going to be you want to be as and we should we should want to be as generous as possible. But we also need to be alert that sometimes that kind of that can be really taken advantage of in a way that's not just taking away our resources and our responsibility, but it's actually hurting. It becomes, as you say, toxic. Have you ever had to do the other and say to somebody like where they're so strong, we are not going to be toxic. We're not going to be taken advantage of that. They actually never. Oh, they yeah. never actually give. The, the pendulum so, can swing in, in both directions. It, it is. It is a very difficult balance that that you're the effort of stewarding well, making sure. Sometimes you have the the, the volunteer who is determined. Nobody's going to hustle me. Right. I expect that somebody's going to take advantage right. of me. And right. and and the right. thing is, is I'm okay with it. Uh, I don't even. I'm not even upset at the person. People are surviving when, when that person comes in and they're trying to say to you whatever they think you want to hear to get from you what they need. Uh, I get it. I, yeah. You know, if, if they've got kids in the house and the water's turned off, uh, uh, you know, right. who wouldn't want to do that? So, right. so it's just, we need to make sure there is that balance, <laughs> the balance of law and gospel. We balance 
that tendency with the, the high measures of grace that need to be extended. And, and, the, and then the generosity. I really think that pastors need to inform their people. Uh, you know, the question I ask is, let me see your home budget. And what I'm looking for is, I want to see the line item that you have for generosity. Which we just, you know, I, it, it's something we have just started putting in uh, to our our budget. We're, we're having to rework our budget because uh, of my son's in college and uh, trying to pay for all of that. So it's, uh, it, it, and but part of that is my, you know, my wife brought it up as saying, you know, we, we need to have something set aside to be able just to, to give to folks. And, and sometimes it's just an act of kindness. It's not, it's just somebody that's needy and it's not, it's not meeting like, um, it's not water but it might be they could never afford to go out to a restaurant or something like that. That That's a form of benevolence, a form of doing good or, or showing kindness. Right. Uh, in, a, in a church budget, so you're having, you're, you're, you're working through, you're, it's a new church, it's a church plant perhaps, they've never done a budget, and you're trying to set the priorities. And so you say to yourself, so I, I have what I call my, I, I have four M's that I used to use. I say, so men, and that's taking care of your, you know, the, 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 preacher, teacher, preacher, the word, men, mm-hmm. m- missions, mercy, mortar, and, and, and what I mean by that. So if you have a building thing, that's last, but that you make sure that you are, you're gospel-centered, taking care of the ministries of the church, you're, you're, you're reaching out, but then mercy is a part of that. Uh, in, in regard to a budget, and so you, is this a, a 5% thing, a 10% thing? Is, is there a way even to... to at least in trying to think through to say, we want this budget to reflect biblical priorities. This strikes me as a fairly high, it's one of those things you see in the scriptures. I think about what Paul says uh, when he's telling the story about meeting with the meeting with the apostles in Galatians. And he says, only they were very determined that we should remember the poor, the very thing we were anxious to do. It's a really interesting it sounds almost liberal, you know. It wasn't like you know, teach the doctrines of this and doctrines of that. It was, hey, Paul, you're going to go do. You're going to be the apostle of the Gentiles. Make sure that you're benevolent. It seemed like that was part of it. I think sometimes, it, just as an easy uh, standard, it, and it, it teaches uh, people the understanding of the tithe, and and uh, but not just uh, you can set the uh, the standard of ten percent, and that transcends to our our people to the congregation but more than that it has to be that we we uh that that we give uh hilariously that we are cheerful givers that we that what we're doing here we enjoy doing that now that if we say 10 percent, that can be representative of what we do for missions uh i know a lot of churches they'll have a a, that amount a, a percentage set aside that is a represent representation of a tithe uh from the church budget and that's used for those kind of things. Uh, and then a percentage of that is used for benevolence. Danny, is there a way to, uh, well, this is something that I, I spent years trying to wrestle through. Uh, smaller church, limited resources, a lot of needs both in our church and outside the, in the community. Uh, what, what's some practical advice you'd give in helping a pastor think through how do you balance giving to, using that benevolence money to the church members who are in need and um, and then those who are outside the church in the in the community, um, yeah. Any thoughts on that? We, uh, obviously, the the uh, there's a high expectation. We see that demonstrated in Acts two and Acts four. There's a high expectation that we care for one another within the body, 
And so uh, for for us, what we do is the, the primary is for those who are part of our, our membership, uh, and we respond to that need. Now, now in that, we have some pastoral leverage there. If we're dealing, if there are sin issues or different things that need to be dealt with, we can deal with it from that level. But the primary, the first level is benevolence. I'm always careful about uh, setting percentages. Churches will do that. Well, yeah. 70% for members and 30% for non-members. Yeah, right. yeah. But the other is, so for non-members, in the effort of positioning what we do as good stewards through relationship, what we do is we compel the members to be outlets of mercy. So it's compelling them to, hey, you look around you for situations where there need, where there's need. That has is far more effective for ultimately proclaiming the gospel than somebody who walks in and they're they're wanting some food cards or gas cards or whatever they're wanting. And so the member having relationship, then we're informed to what's really going on. We ask, do you have a line of sight here? We're asking members to be engaged. Like, what are you doing to help here? Then yeah. that's more than just money. That can be, you know, fixing a meal or doing some things or helping them around the house or helping them with the kids. So we're challenging members to be the outlets. And, and so we look at the Benevolence Fund as being a partnership with the membership uh, more so than anything else. Now, pe- people who walk in or people who call, we, we become very aware of community resources. Um, in Henryville, we have the, a ministerial association where we've developed, we're developing right now some better ways of collectively uh, addressing need and, and caring for the poor in our community. Um, and, and, and so those things are there. But but having those, it's okay to have those distinctives. People hear that and they think, "Well, you're just helping your members." It's like, no, I didn't. I never said that. That we're we're in partnership with our membership, asking them to be the outlets to inform us of where there's need. Otherwise, we're just sitting there waiting for something randomly to show up. Hmm, and yeah. many times, we're providing a misinformed benevolence, and that's usually where we're hurting. Yeah, people. that's really interesting. So you're talking about a proactive benevolence. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. almost all our benevolence, except for so many, is reactive. Right. And then you're you're, you know, you don't even know you don't know the calls coming. It's unexpected person comes. Denny, you you provided our church with um, uh, like a a form with some basic questions. Right. Could you make that available for us that we could put on the website or folks that uh, some of the men might want to say, can I get that? And and what what what. What kind of things are on there? Just, I mean, I, well, I've, the, I've seen it, but obviously these others haven't. What, ultimately, what are... it's uh, we want to know who they are and the dynamics of their family and their household. Uh, we want to know about their employment, uh, what's going on there. A key element of that is a budget. Uh, it's a, what the one we use is very general, and we always know it's very ill-informed when they when they fill that out, and that's okay. The, the form itself is a good tool. Uh, we also ask for references. Who, who, who do you know that could say? We're not. It's like sometimes people think, oh, well, that's a tool, so we can figure out who we can say no to. It's like no, we're, it informs us of how we can better assist them. So references. What we're looking for is what is their community? Who are they engaged with that can can be a, a part of that redemptive effort of of benevolence uh, to to redeem them from the situation, whatever it was, the cause, whatever brought them to this place. We're looking for those things. The budget itself, or you know, some of it is very normal stuff. You know, we don't, we shouldn't be paying your rent if you have a super de duper home video package deal, or whatever that might be. 
some of some of very very practical pragmatic budget type of things but the other is we're kind of reading between the lines there too it's like what what's it's informing us i, I teach our volunteers let uh, a key element of what we do in engaging with people who are in need is is that we listen to them our, ten, our tendency is we want to fix and talk but instead we need to shut up and listen mm. let them speak and then and the effort is to help them from the information in front of us, help them to uh, to kind of create that platform for them to uh, proclaim their own ideas and thoughts and what they think they need to do. It's easy to say to somebody, you need to get a job or you need to get a second job. But it's different. It's harder when we ask, well, what do you think you could do to increase your income here to help offset this Mm -hmm. and allowing them to articulate it when they do that the tendency is they're more likely to actually do what we would ultimately would recommend them to do anyway denny this is really helpful because i think it it can be so easy and i'm and i'm going to indict myself here to simply it's not quite the be warmed and be filled it might be be warmed and be filled and here's a kroger card right so I don't have. I'm not going to see you again. Your your plan and part of what you're laying out here is that this might actually build a relationship with somebody that not only then meets a practical need, but hopefully later a, a deep spiritual need. I, I have a friend of mine that he uses the he would use the language something like that. Benevolence is the is the needle that pulls the thread of the gospel sometimes, right. and, and that it it pierces through, but then it pulls that thread, which is really what you're. Your greatest hope is uh, is not just hey we filled their belly we provided roof a roof for another month, um, but we're even even helping them out of this in a way that just some people just don't know they don't know how to get out of the of what what they're in they don't know how to do better they haven't thought through it's always just been hopefully somebody will provide but is there a way that God has provided a way for many people not everybody because the poor you'll have with you always. Uh, there's always going to be something that's going to happen to some people that's going to put them in need. Uh, One of the things that I was, I'm grateful that, that you shared that I, that I want to affirm is that it's the best benevolence that our church, again, small church, limited resources, most of the people listening to this are in that category, is the members taking the initiative to see the need and to go try to meet that need based on the relationship that they have with, with others. And so uh, one of the most encouraging things that I've experienced as a pastor is watching a member hear about a need and they inform me they're going to go take care of it, but then they do it even in an anonymous way and the person doesn't even know. That happened one time and two years later, this it was switched and the they the person who just got helped the two years ago helped the person the other person. So I mean, you know, that's the most encouraging and I think it seems to be the most productive way uh, to be able to do benevolence versus do I give this person money or do I give them a Kroger card or whatever when they come to the door and I don't, and I don't know, you know, who they are. So Denny, what, so pastors listening to this, what are some, if you had kind of a final thought uh, for them to, to wrestle with, to think about um, as they try to take what's been said on these last two podcasts and sort through them, what would maybe that one thing be? Recognize benevolence ministry sometimes is something set aside and, and it's an afterthought. It's a reaction. Uh, but actually, benevolence can be, uh, as you were saying, Jim, a, a demonstration of the gospel, that we are recognizing the most incredible, ridiculous, generous act ever done. God demonstrated his love for us while we were still sinners. 
Christ died for us. So our generosity, we can use the word benevolence, but I would say our generosity is simply a demonstration of, a type and shadow of the gospel message. And just recognizing, let it, let that be what informs and what drives what you do as far as benevolence, using the language of generosity and compelling our people to be a generous people uh, in whatever way they can. The interesting thing is the under-resourced church typically is the one that's the most generous. Hmm. Danny, if somebody's listening to this and they want to reach out to you, maybe have further questions, uh, is there any? Can you give information that would be the best way for people to contact you? Uh, I'll give you Jim's cell phone number. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> you can you can reach my office five zero two two five three eight one four one. That'd be the quickest and easiest. Give me a call. I'd be happy to help if you need somebody to come in and sit down and speak to a group of leaders, deacons, whatever. Happy to do that. Okay, so they can call just your your number directly and, and contact you that way. We appreciate you being here. And actually, for those who are in the Louisville area and come to our pastor's fellowship, Denny is going to come and be a part of our fellowship and talk more about these these particular And in case issues. you're listening to this well into the future. Yes. It's not, it's going to be, so September 20... This should drop before, we'll, we'll make sure it drops before the, before the pastor's fellowship. But we, we obviously um, recognize, we recognize that in, even in two podcasts, we just skimmed the surface. So, yeah, so Denny's going to come, and for those who come and are part of our pastor's fellowship, he's going to come and spend more time with us there and talk about this really important issue. So Jim, would you uh, would you pray for the pastors listening to this, that God just gives wisdom on yeah, these issues? Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, Heavenly Father, we desire that we would reflect your own heart and your own mind. And so Father, thank you for the uh, times, the tensions we see in your word, uh, that call us to uh, strive for wisdom and for practical help. Thank you for a brother and the years of uh, faithful ministry you've given to him and the help that he's able to be to us. And we pray, Lord, also to those who hear this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.